Dr. Sam Beckett led an elite group of scientists into the desert to develop a top-secret project known as Quantum Leap. Pressured to prove his theories or lose funding, Dr. Beckett prematurely stepped into the project accelerator. In the blink of a cosmic clock, I went from quantum physicist to Air Force test pilot, which could have been fun if I knew how to fly. Fortunately, I had help, an observer from the project named Al. Unfortunately, Al's a hologram, so all they can lend is moral support. Anyway, here I am, bouncing around in time, putting things right that once went wrong. A sort of time-traveling Lone Ranger with Al as my tanto, and I don't even need a mask. Listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode five, Double Identity. Thanks, Frankie. He was terrific. If I'm lying, I'm dying. 65, LBJ's president. Vietnam. Don't remind me. I'm 10. In the fourth grade. I'm in trouble here. I'm a mafia hitman. Frankie is. I gotta leave out of here before Gino finds out that Frank is a guy beating his time with Teresa, capiche? Oh, God, now I'm Don Gino. Hello, and welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. My name is Albie. And I'm Heather. We're glad to have you with us today as we talk about Season 1, Episode 6 of Quantum Leap, which aired on April 21st, 1989, entitled Double Identity. What did you think of this episode? I liked this one, surprisingly. I... I like Teresa. If I'm lying, I'm dying. But I like the the Italian accents I liked and it was kind of a goofy episode, but I it was I liked it. The Italian really confused me at first cuz I was like, where are the subtitles? I don't get it. I don't think we were supposed to know what they were saying because Sam didn't know what they were saying. So, we shouldn't understand what's going on because he doesn't. So, we're along for the ride with him, so we're put in the same spot to where we don't understand what's going on either. Right. I understood a couple of words, but uh, other than that, not so good. Yeah, when the grandmas were talking, n- not a clue what they were saying. I think I heard eat. And bingo, that's what Sam got. So. Yeah, bingo. What was your first impression of the episode? My first impression, I didn't want to like the show. It would seem cheesy to me, this episode, but as the characters developed, I got into the story more. Yeah, I felt for Teresa and Frankie. And they, I mean, everyone else was kind of just dumb goons you know they were just muscle silly right bunch of silly people it was a goofy episode but i I enjoyed it i liked it heather episode recap please sure this is season one episode number six original broadcast date april 21st 1989 written by donald p belisario and directed by aaron libstadt Sam leaps into Frankie after having apparently just copulated with Teresa, the lover of mafia boss Don Gino, while in Gino's attic. The two are attending the wedding of Frankie's brother Primo to Angela, Gino's daughter. After leaving Frankie, Teresa is approached by Don Gino, with whom she has been having an affair for some time. Teresa wants to end their relationship, but Gino tells her it will be over when he says it is. 
Gino suspects that Teresa is seeing another man, and while she denies it, he orders one of his henchmen to find Teresa's lover. Sam, meanwhile, is wandering among the guests at Primo and Angela's wedding. The two newlyweds request that Sam sing Valare for them on stage. Sam is thrust in front of the crowd, and with the guidance of Al, who is fluent in Italian, is able to sing the entire song. Afterward, he and Al retreat from the crowd to talk. Al tells Sam that Ziggy is being uncooperative, which means Al is unable to give Sam any details about his mission except that Sam is a mafia hitman, a fact which horrifies Sam. Al also tells Sam that Ziggy has a theory to retrieve Sam back to his own time. However, it will require Sam to follow all of Ziggy's instructions. The next day, while walking along the street with Frankie's two brothers, Sam spots Teresa working as a hairdresser in a salon. Sam decides he must talk with Teresa and steps inside to ask for a trim. Teresa is pleased, though startled, with Sam's appearance and sits him down for a haircut. She tells him that if Gino were to see them together, Sam's life would be endangered, alerting Sam that Teresa and Gino are having an affair. Outside the salon, Frankie's father has joined Primo and Segundo in waiting for Sam. Gino drives past and stops to approach them. When he spots Sam receiving a haircut from Teresa, his suspicions are raised. Frankie's father attempts to convince Gino that he sent Sam into the salon in order to discover the identity of Teresa's lover from the hairstylists and female customers inside. Gino is incredulous, but nonetheless says he will spare Sam's life so long as Sam confirms the story. Gino steps into the salon and tells Teresa to move aside. Holding a shaving razor to Sam's throat, he asks Sam why he is sitting in the salon with Teresa. However, Sam cannot understand him, as Gino is speaking in Italian. Al shows up, telling Sam he knows what Gino wants to hear and gets Sam to repeat his answers. Speaking in Italian, Sam is able to tell Gino it was his father's idea and that he believes he can find out who Teresa's lover is by listening in on conversations of the women in the salon. Satisfied with the answer, Gino smiles and leaves Sam alone. Meanwhile, Al tells Sam that Ziggy has now put together a theory to retrieve Sam back to the present. Sam must duplicate the event that took place just before he leaped in, and at the same time plug in a hairdryer at a specified address in Buffalo. Since Sam is in Brooklyn, he decides he must send Primo and Segundo to Buffalo to plug in the hairdryer, while he must contact Teresa to meet him in Gino's attic and make love like they did the day before. Though Teresa is unsure, Sam convinces her that the meeting is important for their future. Primo and Segundo borrow a hairdryer from Teresa's salon and drive to Brooklyn. They pull up at what appears to be a fraternity house and insert the hairdryer into the house's external power outlet. After Primo switches the hairdryer on, an electrical surge suddenly causes a blackout on the entire street. Meanwhile, Gino's henchman informs him that Sam and Teresa have just ascended the trellis of his home and are meeting at his attic. Gino is outraged and plans to enact revenge. The electrical power outage that Primo caused is now spreading across the East Coast. Sam and Teresa are in Gino's attic making out. Sam is unsure whether he can go through with the act. Uncomfortable about lying, he admits to her that he is not the same Frankie she knows. Teresa says it doesn't matter if he lies, she is used to men lying to her. Sam tells her she is special and deserves better. The two begin to kiss until Gino arrives and holds them at gunpoint. Sam takes responsibility for the affair and tells Gino he insisted on bringing Teresa to the attic, despite her refusal. Gino replies that he respects a man who faces his death with honesty. Teresa intercedes and tells Gino she was the one who wanted to come to the attic. Gino is about to shoot them both when the power outage suddenly reaches his home and knocks out the lights. Sam uses the distraction to grab Gino's gun, and the two wrestle for control. As they do so, Sam suddenly leaps out of Frankie and into Don Gino. The real Frankie now returns, suffering amnesia. Upon seeing Sam slash Gino, he pleads their innocence. However, Sam now has an idea of what his mission is, to keep Frankie and Teresa together. He asks the both of them if they love one another, and they both confess that they do. 
Sam knows that he must find a way to announce his acceptance of their union to an audience so that when the real Gino returns, he cannot continue his revenge. Sam takes Frankie and Teresa to the local church hall, where Frankie's grandmother is playing bingo. Sam asks the priest to announce Frankie and Teresa's engagement with Don Gino's blessing. The priest does so, and Sam further tells Frankie that he is no longer to continue in the mafia business. Al appears to explain that Ziggy's theory didn't work because Ziggy claims Sam did not follow his complete instructions. Sam is nonetheless confused as to why he hasn't leaped out of Gino's body. Al tells Sam that he has one final task to do, pick the winning bingo number, allowing Frankie's grandmother to win a game for the first time. And with that, Sam leaps. Thank you for that episode recap, Heather. You're welcome. You're very reliable. Every time you read the episode recap, if I tried to read the episode recap, we'd be here forever. 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 I just have to say, what a way to leap into that situation. I was thinking that myself, but it was already finished. So I was thinking almost good, but not quite good enough. And maybe like mid. That would have been amazing. But I guess the reason that didn't happen, my thought on that was. It's a family show. Besides that. Just the fact that Sam would have no choice in the matter, so he would be being violated if he did not want to engage in such actions. Also, he's the good guy. Like, he's not a sleazy guy. I'm thinking that too, but as uh, we've been watching these episodes, uh, every episode he seems to have a girl. To his defense, I think he's playing the role... But he does fall in love every episode. And he's like the fall in love, fall hard for the girl, and then he leaps. And then he does it again. I know. And then he does it again. He really does. But what a job, right? <laughs> I, I mean, Yeah, I guess it could be worse. If you had to choose careers, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Is he still getting paid back at home? Like when he finally leaps home, if he does, does he have a huge bank account? I don't think he's getting paid. I think they're doing like research experiments like i don't i don't think they're making money uh even though it's government controlled it was like a government grant and he's just doing it with the money that they already got probably yeah but i don't think there's like a salary hmm he's not working at the burger king down the street no what are your thoughts on frankie's appearance because i'm not really a fan it seems like in the script they were trying to say he's really gorgeous and handsome and all that stuff but in real life he just looked like a normal guy to me it didn't match up with where they were going like they should have had tom Selleck or something yeah well i don't know about tom well yeah back in the 80s maybe um i don't know but they were like that's what a handsome guy looks like i'm like scott bacula is definitely more attractive than whoever that dude is because he kind of looked like a dinosaur I agree Scott Bakula was the most attractive man in that episode. Well, even the two brothers don't look that bad. But, I mean, I I guess if you were looking for the square jaw kind of, uh, you know, no. I don't know. They, I, You're right. They probably wrote the script and couldn't find a more handsome guy. I don't know. I don't I, know. Ian Summerholder. You know. If they had just okay. waited to make the series, you know, like 20 more years. Seriously. Would all worked out. Did you notice... This is the first time I noticed in the series so far that the beginning of the episode didn't follow Sam the whole time. Like, it had a B story with Teresa and Don Gino and stuff, and uh, we didn't really get into Sam's storyline until about eight, nine minutes in. I didn't notice that, but I I mean, now that you say it, I, I recall it. Well, when he leaped in the last episode, it was the other two arguing. Yeah, but you followed him in the Jeep with the pig. That's true. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but I you needed that to know that they were having an affair, I think. You know what I mean? Like that Don Gino and her were, or that he thought they were together. 
yeah, it was necessary, and they couldn't talk like that in private and follow Sam at the same time. So I, I see what you're saying. Right. They couldn't have that. Well, they couldn't have that conversation in public. They could have probably done it a different way, but then Sam couldn't have known about it because Sam found out in the hair salon. Right. Have you ever been to an Italian wedding? I have not. There's a lot of food. Can we go to an Italian wedding? Are your brothers Italian? Can we like... I think they're married already. I thought it was very funny when Sam was trying to sing Valare when he didn't know it. And then I thought it was weird that he caught on so quick. So either he's an incredibly fast learner or he knew Italian and he just remembered it. Yeah, it could be the Swiss cheese thing, I guess. Yeah, I I could not have pulled off a song. Valare. No, no, no. No, oh. don't don't do that okay. um this is not american idol tryouts okay i could not have pulled off a song just with the words like al was just giving him the words if al was singing it i could have mocked al's singing but i oh I oh, oh, oh yeah that was just i couldn't have done that did you notice that Teresa acts like she's not scared of gino to his face she's all like i don't know rough and tough and then when he walks away she is kind of like crying she puts on a pretty good act i think I think the reason she's not scared of him, at least in public, is because uh, everybody knows that's Don Gino's girl. Well, but they weren't, I mean, they weren't really in public, but he wasn't physically harming her or, or manhandling her or anything. But she put up a pretty big front. And until she cries, you don't really, you see that she's vulnerable. Can I mention right now the actress who played Teresa, Terry Garber? Amazing. Um, I didn't remember her being this good, but I really felt her emotions as she was going through her story. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Did you count how many times that she said that during the episode? <laughs> no. I had a little tick mark going. I came up with four or five. I wasn't sure because she kind of half said it once while Sam half said it at the same time. But I think that counts. I'll go with five. And Sam said it two times. Wow. For about 10 years after I saw that episode, I said it all the time too. You're going to say it for the next 10 years? Please don't. <laughs> I'll try not to. Um, but I'm very impressionable. So you never know. Yeah. How long did you say at the end of all your S words? A long time. No, that didn't work. <laughs> did you see the wedding dress for Angela? It was like this big, poofy, white thing with glasses and red lipstick, and it was kind of a horrendous mess. I understand that it was 1965, but whoa. I think people looked like that back then, actually. It was just not. It was not okay. It was not like the gorgeous bride. She was not elegant. I don't know. It was scary. I think the styles were definitely in a transitional phase then. Did you see Sam's suit made out of couch material? <laughs> couch material. Those little balls on it that you can't help but pick off. <laughs> little nubs. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's just wrong. Fashion. That's like the biggest thing in this show is the crazy fashion through the decades. Uh, the costume designer, great job. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was legit, the dress, but just no. I'm thinking in the 90s, you probably could have got something from the 60s, no problem. Well... The 80s wedding dresses weren't that wonderful either. They had humongous sleeves. Like, I look at my mom's wedding pictures, and I'm like, yo, lady, nice sleeves. They were like big, poofy sleeves. Oh, it was bad. If you saw me right now, I am acting out big, poofy sleeves on my shoulders. <laughs> I can attest to that. When Al appears, and they're talking in the attic, he says that he was socially advanced as a child. Did you have girlfriends in elementary school? I tried to have girlfriends in elementary school, but uh, nobody was picking up what I was putting down. <laughs> so you had crushes and we're all over that? Oh my goodness, yes. See, I had a boyfriend 
quote-unquote boyfriend i'm not really sure why he was called a boyfriend in like preschool and we had like play dates at mcdonald's and he pooped his pants no lie it was my first like date it's funny was he into that kind of thing um i remember his mom telling me to sit in the back seat and say don't look back here keep looking forward as she like cleaned him up (laughs) how old was he i think we were like five i don't know man that's gotta be his worst date (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, if I remember it, I'm sure he remembers Unless it. Unless he's like uh, um, grown up now and he still poops on his dates. <laughs> Let's hope it went better from then on. But luckily now there's uh, websites where you can connect with people that like that sort of thing. Well, it's funny though, is because I, when I was in the fourth grade, I totally had like a boyfriend and we held hands and it was like so real. <laughs> and that was, I look back now and I laugh at myself because like, it was fourth grade. Trust me, I really tried, but I was a late bloomer. It's funny when you grow up and you realize that your problems as a child were so small. Al is sweating or freezing this whole episode. And he talks about Ziggy saying that the human comforts aren't necessary. My thought is air conditioning is definitely necessary, especially in the middle of the desert. What was Ziggy thinking? I mean, obviously he doesn't need air conditioning, but I would be really mad if i was sweating he was sweating pretty profusely i hate when that happens when you sweat profusely yes it's my least favorite thing air conditioning is necessary i'm thinking that gushy should have wrote a couple lines of code to help ziggy realize how important the air conditioning was because a computer in let's say 2003 not that advanced right so it shouldn't have consciousness and if it did Just unplug it from the AC controller on the wall. What if it was like Rise of the Machines and it's like, plug me back in. It seemed like a classic episode of Star Trek where a computer was put in charge of the Enterprise and it was cutting off all non-essential power consumption so it could run a program. Well, I think that Ziggy was working overtime, kind of working harder to try and get Sam back because he felt bad that he didn't get him the first time or whatever. So that's why he was cutting back non-essential power things. But still, air conditioning is really important. So like it was just a temporary thing to put all of his focus on getting Sam back. Right. Wasn't the project all about sending Sam back in time? So why are they trying to retrieve him? I think because Sam, I think it's different than Sam expected it to be. Oh, like uh, he'd control it and this week he's going there and that week he's going there and come back every time maybe. And I don't think he meant to leap into other people's bodies. Like I think he wanted to leap into his own. So when do you think Ziggy's going to stop trying to retrieve Sam or is this going to be a continuing storyline like season four? He's still trying to get you. Don't worry. I think he's going to keep trying because they don't know how long this is going to go on. Yeah. Well, see, we know that it's going to go on for five seasons. Right. I'm sure when the show first aired, they didn't know if they were getting 6, 12, 13, 24. And in fact, I think the first season got nine episodes. If Sam was going to keep leaping, he could leap and end up in a bad situation, a scary situation. So they're going to want to keep trying to bring him home where he belongs, not in someone else's random body. Well, I know he hopes that the next leap will be the leap home. Right. Hopefully one of these leaps will leap home. I think next week he's going to leap home and then the rest of the seasons are going to be blank. Yep, all the other discs on the complete series set are blank. Or it's just going to be him chilling in the future. like In the near so future. So this one time I leaped and now I'm back. The end. Yeah, every episode. Maybe Sam and Al go to the beach. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> maybe that's maybe that's it. They got after season one, they're like, okay, well, we've written everything we, we could write. So let's change the series up a bit. I hope not. No, I hope this not. This is episode 22, Al and Sam go for a picnic <laughs> and talk about the old days when they used to leap back in the 60s. Whoa, Laurie. Whoa. What? Nobody wants to hear that, buddy. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Just, no. Did you notice Al's shirt? The Hawaiian one? Yeah, I'm thinking, I don't know if they have Quantum Leap action figures, but if they did have Quantum Leap action figures of Al, I would want one of him in that shirt, I think. When they were showing the intro, where they kind of show clips of every episode, there's Al standing by a plane, and he's wearing this red long sleeve button-down shirt, and it has just like spots of darker on it. And I, I was like, that's like the ugliest shirt I've ever seen. But the Hawaiian shirt isn't that bad. I mean, Hawaiian shirts are still kind of around. It's kind of an older, touristy kind of look. I think it was highly appropriate that Al was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I don't know if it was in the script or just something that the costume designer thought of. But he's sweating like he's in the desert, which literally he is. But like, you know, in a hot environment, people, tourists wear Hawaiian shirts. So it was cool that he was sweating and wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I just thought that was a cool thing. I mean, they're cool, right? I mean, they're cool to wear. I've worn some sometimes, but usually people say, take that off. Yeah, you have not worn them since I've met you. No, you wouldn't let me. Pretty sure I threw some silk orange thing that you had away. Yes, the orange one, and I had the Spider-Man one. That was awesome. No, it wasn't, though. But I'm glad that you've uh, gravitated towards the t-shirts now. I don't think you're old enough to wear them. Is there like an age thing? I think so. So maybe uh, one point in my life after retirement, I'll be able to wear... Khaki shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. Tube socks up to my knees, sandals, and a bright, ridiculous Hawaiian shirt. Right, exactly. But it looked good on Al, I'm saying. Yeah, and it wasn't... It was actually not as bad as some of the other shirts that he's worn. Yeah, they could have gone way over the top with that one. Like that red shirt while I was standing by the plane. Horrible. You didn't like it? I thought it was pretty cool. Like the burgundy and the dark burgundy. If they were placed in the wrong spot, it could look like armpit stains. Like yes, it just but they weren't placed in the wrong spot. Right. So, but it was nice, uh, I thought. I like whatever they were. It's your fashion sense comes from Quantum Leap. It really does. Al mentions he's in an imaging chamber a couple of decades in the future. Now, what's the date of this leap? 1965. So that would be about 1985. Maybe he. Maybe they didn't think about the fact that it was four decades, at least. Four de- right? Four decades? At least. Uh, Sam says that he was 10 in this episode. He's definitely not 50 in present time, is he? Well, we know his birthday, so obviously he's 10. So he might be close to 50 in the episode. That's weird. He doesn't look 50. I don't know. He just doesn't seem like he's 50. He seems like he's in his early 40s, if anything, to me. Yeah. They were definitely wrong on their dates, I think. I totally didn't catch that one. Good job. Do you think it's because Al is older and when you get older, you think that 30 years ago is like 10 years ago? Maybe it was just like what he was saying. Because you think that, what, 1990 was 10 years ago and it was right 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Well, the script might have said a few decades and he might have just said a couple decades and they didn't catch it or something too. Right. I thought when you, when you go a couple or a few, I think it's kind of generically not accurate. Right. Couple to me seems two. Well, that's what it's supposed to be and a few is three and whatever or few, three plus. I don't know how that works. Yeah, but. until you get to several. Yeah. How much is several? I don't know. What is that? Six to eight? My guess. Is there but anything after that? Oh, a dozen. I totally didn't even catch that. So 
Al starts to figure out what Sam was doing in the attic when he leaped in. And Sam says, how did you know? And then Al says, when Frankie leaped into the imaging chamber, there wasn't much to the imagination. Yeah, that would be an interesting way to show up somewhere. So you think he was just happy to see everybody in the waiting room? (sighs) Or probably more confused than the normal person, because it's not like he was just doing everyday things. He was in a specific Uh, situation. But I was definitely thinking, happy to see everyone. Oh, yeah. But then again, that's Dr. Sam Beckett's body in the waiting room. So weird also. That whole thing confuses me. I, I don't like that. Like, I don't like that reasoning. I wonder why maybe it was just a flaw in the opening episodes, like the logic, and they just, maybe they don't mention that again. I don't know. Well, I mean, I get it. Like, you've explained it to me, and I understand where they're coming from. I just don't like that as the reasoning. I don't get it. I understand that there's only, like, can be one consciousness in the body, but I don't think that... I think I would rather just the consciousness not have an explanation. I would have rather them not explained that part. You know what I mean? Like, just left that up to your imagination. I try to ignore what happens back at the imaging chamber or, or in the waiting room or whatever. I try to ignore that because I don't I don't like the explanation. Uh, one more thing on the attic. I think the set design and the set dressing in the attic was really good. I like that they had like old high chairs and stuff up there because that's what you would have. Old picture frames and... It seemed very real to me. Almost so real that it took me out of it because I was like, wow, it's so real. Yeah. It'd be funny if they just went into somebody's attic and shot it, <laughs> but I doubt it. Well, I guess they couldn't use just a normal attic because there might be a speaking spell in the background or something. <laughs> in New York, that's the kind of attic that everybody has. I don't know about the rest of the country. I just know that like in that region, that's the kind of attic that everybody has up there. That's just how houses are built. You use your attic as a storage space and like in kind of a room that you can go up and see the stuff you have up there. It's not just a... I know that Brady Bunch had a room in their attic. Yeah, exactly. That's where Greg stayed. Wow, I don't remember that. When he got older and moved up into the attic, so he was away from the younger kids. Oh, he was too cool. Right. And then he made Jan think it was a UFO, but it was really Greg with a flashlight on a sheet. (laughs) The street that uh, Frankie and his brothers were walking down, that corner and that little whole intersection area, that looked very familiar. Like, a lot of stuff happens on that little corner. Like, even today on TV shows, there's a lot of things that happen on that corner. Brooklyn, man. Yeah. Brooklyn, California. <laughs> Probably not. No, in the back lots. Universal. Oh, yeah. Brooklyn, California. Yeah. I know that I am not somebody who was in the 60s, but I'm not a fan of the beehive look. Like the lady with the beehive on her head, beehive cone-shaped hairdo. I don't think I could pull that off. I think what women did back then, this is just my impression of the time, is like they got their hair done once a week and put it up and put so much hairspray in it it wouldn't move and then they didn't wash it so women had smelly heads back then (laughs) um a lot of women still get their hair done like once a week really and they don't wash it i mean i don't don't know the practice because i don't get my hair done i'm not high maintenance enough for that i don't know even if they're very beautiful and i went in to kiss them and their head smelled like body odor i don't think that would turn me on i'm really not sure that that's how it works out i don't think it's like that and women aren't as sweaty as guys i think but i think their hair would be more greasy than smelly doesn't that grease smell i don't know i don't usually stick my nose into greasy hair absorb the smell i wouldn't recommend it yeah no probably not i'm thinking we're at a good time in human history and that was like the end of the not bathing for most people i guess yeah some people still don't bathe uh yeah 
I guess men didn't go into hair salons to get their hair done back then, only like barber shops. It was a very separated thing. Like going to get your hair done for women was different. Well, actually, it really wasn't because guys would go into the barber shop and talk about all their whatever and get shaved. And so it's like the same thing. It's just different from because men are going here and women are going there. Yeah, and it was like a community place, I think, where the guys every day got together, talked, and got their hair cut and shaved and everything. Well, it's the same with the women. I mean, I think that it was like a social outing as much as it was a necessity. Like it was something to do. Yeah, it was some a place to meet up and, and talk and catch up with everybody and a way to look good. Is it weird that when I was watching Sam go into the beauty salon and uh, they said, get me a razor, you know, we're picturing a straight razor. And all they had was like a safety razor for, I don't know what, on women mustaches back then? Or were they, I don't know. <laughs> well, it looks like we had both, but I, it still looked scary. I like our razors now. Yeah, he took the safety razor out of the razor so it was unsafe. I totally missed that part. Um, Yeah, he was holding it to his throat. It was pretty scary. Yeah, that was a scary situation to be in. Was it weird that Teresa was only shampooing the top half of Frankie's head? Right. Well, she only got it like half wet. The whole bottom part was dry, but she was on the other side of him, so she couldn't see it. And I'm sure that they just kept it because it where they were hoping people wouldn't notice. So the actors just didn't know how to shampoo someone else, maybe. Well, she's probably not a hairdresser. Hmm. Probably a actress and server. (laughs) As they usually are. I thought it was funny how the guys were trying to communicate to Sam through the glass as to what to say in response to Gino. Did you hear him say, don't talk with your hands? Like, don't tell Sam. Because he was telling them not to tell Sam with their hands through the window. They still did. And it was funny. It was just really funny. Like somebody saying, don't say that. Yeah. Why is their dad in a wheelchair? Do we know? I don't think they mentioned that. And it was kind of like a weird dining room table chair with wheels on it. That's what wheelchairs were back then chairs with wheels yeah that's i guess where they got the name weird (laughs) but it's just funny because i think that i've seen actual dining room chairs with that backing it's like a wicker yeah speaking of frankie's dad in the wheelchair i think from the episode seeing ramps all over the place that was like his area where he lived and maybe in control of it was he like a smaller boss of the big godfather um he wasn't a boss of the godfather but he he was obviously somebody in the community i mean he wasn't He's now the father-in-law. I mean, he's connected now. I don't know who he was in connection to the Godfather. Okay. I like that Al goes off in Italian and Sam's just looking at him like, um, hello. I have no idea what you're saying. Like, you're going way too fast. And then Sam catches on and he's like, oh, right. Say this. (laughs) Yeah. Al was just going on and on and on. And then Sam's looking at him like, what? And then uh, Gino is looking where Sam was looking and looking around like, what is he, what's going on? I thought that was funny too. That whole situation was very funny. Yeah, because he stopped mid-sentence because Al just kept going on. So he stopped mid-sentence and was and was looking off to the side. It was funny at first when he answered in Valare. You just told him to go fly away. <laughs> That's funny because it was the only word he remembered. He, sh- he could have quoted the whole song. <laughs> Right. It's good that Al speaks Italian. It's good that he's an ex-astronaut. It's good that he used to be a boxer. It's good that he seems to have a lot of talents, doesn't he? He must have been alive for a really long time to accomplish as much as he has. Well, to be an astronaut, you need to be an overachiever. Right. Maybe in the future, the training for being an astronaut isn't as long and vigorous. Right. They have to go, uh, were you ever a boxer? Okay, check. (laughs) 
You're bilingual. Check. Sam has how many PhDs and all that stuff, too. So maybe they are in their 50s. Yeah, I'm sure the government doesn't let you make a time travel device if you're not so smart. Right. I liked where he said, uh, yeah, five o'clock shadow is not so popular in 65. Yeah. And uh, back then, I think it was the just a little bit of five o'clock shadow, like Miami Vice look was going on, I think. I don't know. But now it's just like three-day beard is the thing. But I think that's because... That is not the thing. That's your thing. I think that's because razors are, have gotten so much more expensive. Guys are like, I'll shave twice, three times a week, not once a day. <laughs> I don't know if that's laziness or expense. I'm not sure. Probably laziness. Yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm eh, glad that I'll I don't do have tomorrow. to shave my face. It's not fun. Did you notice that when Sam is talking to Al outside the salon, he starts talking like an Italian? Yeah, so do you think that was part of the Leapy's personality, or do you just think that he's assimilating to his environment? Taking the history of the show so far, what's happened, I'm thinking it's the Leapy's personality. And in that scene, there was a guy walking behind them reading the newspaper and like looking up every once in a while. I I think even back then, you know, like people text and walk now Mm -hmm. and bump into things and get hit by cars. But I think back then people were just read a newspaper and walked, you know, so I, I don't think it's a new thing. And then I was thinking while I was watching the episode, I was like going off on a little tangent and going, I wonder if cavemen every once in a while, like just were staring at their torch on fire and like walked into a tree. <laughs> right. So They're, they were uh, staring at the local cave drawings as they were walking and walking into rocks and trees and that's funny so it might not be such a new thing at least i got google glass coming out so you can like look where you're going while you're on the internet you can text while you're driving without looking off the road i don't know i don't know (laughs) Uh, i don't know where they're going i'll get my implant when it comes out just like futurama the iphone eye phone Uh uh-huh you definitely need one of those personal air conditioner things did you see how powerful that thing was i want one yeah that i i saw that and totally thought of you because you could actually go outside I thought it was really cool, and it, it looked like it was coming from his handheld device, but in all reality, there was probably just a huge fan off camera. It was a giant fan. But if I had a lot of money or if I was in a TV show, I would definitely hire somebody with a giant fan to follow me around outside. He'd have to have his own vehicle to follow me while I'm driving, and then get out before I get out of the air condition and hold a big fan on me. Just get like one of those ones they use on the swamp boats, <laughs> and just put it on the back of a truck and have it <laughs> blow. It's an idea. It's an idea. <laughs> okay, so... While Al was talking Italian to Sam, he knew what to tell Sam, you know, that his father told him to do it. But Al wasn't around at that point. So I'm thinking, you know, like we didn't see him and Sam didn't see him at that point. Does Al have like a monitoring station outside of the imaging chamber where he can kind of tell what's going on and only go in when he's needed? Like like a steady live feed, I'm thinking, or maybe he's got some kind of DVR thing going on where he can rewind or fast forward to the important parts. My thought was it was a Ziggy thing. That like Ziggy, because Ziggy calculates all the situations. And like if he didn't say the right thing, he could have died. Or if he said the right thing, it would have been okay. And I was also thinking it is time travel. So what if he got his throat cut in the first time around on that? And Ziggy said, oh, we messed up. Okay, you got to go back to this point and tell him to say this. That's true. I I didn't think about that. I was just thinking it was a Ziggy thing because you know how he tells him what to do, basically. So I was just thinking it was him telling him the right thing to do. I really like the shot of you see the reflection on one side of the street of the three guys walking and it's the leapy actor, Frankie. And then when the 
camera pans from the reflection to the actual people, the actor who played Frankie and Sam switch out. So now you're seeing Sam and it's all in one fluid movement. I thought that was a really great shot. Like, I don't know if the director came up with that or... And it was better than the mirror thing they try to do. Because you don't see both of them at the same time. But when you pan around, you see the one switch to the other. I liked it. And because Frankie was so far away, the lips weren't like because Sam talks during that during when you see Frankie in the window reflection. But because Frankie's so far away, it doesn't look so weird, too. Oh, so you're noticing the lip sync out of sync here and there? Well, usually with the mirror, it looks so odd that it just doesn't work out. So I liked that scene because it's it's an alternative to the mirror scene. Because the first mirror scene, I don't think Sam spoke out loud. So it wasn't, that one wasn't really weird either. It's weird when they speak or they try to mimic each other's moves. Because that is so specific, right? Right. Yeah, I agree. And even if they made the same movements, it would just be weird to me. Because Sam's voice coming out of someone else. The best mirror scene I ever saw was in Terminator. When uh, Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger were in a scene and they did it so well and uh back then i could never figure out how they did it until one of the special editions came out i have so many but uh actually linda hamilton has a twin so that's how they did it oh that's cool yeah so if uh only they had hired a twin maybe i don't, I don't see how that uh, would work out so. now how would that help it wouldn't it wouldn't okay i don't think there's any improving on it anyway it's oh. already done with but the way that they did this scene was better because it wasn't so you know it wasn't so close Al says that his dad would come to pick him up from the orphanage. If he had a dad, why would he be in an orphanarium? I thought the same thing the first time I watched it. Um, My thought on that is his dad might have been too poor or had done something to lose custody of him. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because if if something happened to his mom, his dad would have had to work and wouldn't have had anybody. And if there wasn't enough money to hire a babysitter or something like that. I have a little recollection of Al's backstory, but I'm really looking forward to learning it for real because I know they go into depth in his character. See, I don't know anything about his personal history, so I'm learning as we go. After Sam and Al talk about Ziggy's plan, Sam calls Teresa and tries to get her to come to Gino's attic and do all that stuff to follow the plan. And she starts naming off all these places that they've been together. Behind the furnace. That would be hot. But like, they're dangerous little couple there, aren't they? And I think it was like behind the furnace at the church or something. No, it was in the pews at the church. I don't know. There was a church one and... Uh, some like it under a table in an Italian hall or something. Yeah. <laughs> that was an interesting conversation on the phone. So these guys have been dating on the side while she's been dating Gino. Well, she tried to call it off with him. But he's the godfather. Right. And uh, he makes you an offer you can't refuse. Well, I think it's women didn't have as much of a say back then or were still viewed inferior that, more so than now. That's not good. We've, for the most part, come a long way. Sometimes not so much, but for the most part. So Sam's calling from a phone booth and like halfway through the conversation, I'm thinking, phone booth, I remember those. But like, where did they go? They don't exist anymore. The same place pay phones went. You know how many people come into my job place and ask for a pay phone? Like, who ha- No, there's no payphones. What is payphone? It's, they had a box. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you should just go, give me five bucks. You can use my phone for five minutes. Well, I'm usually like, um, we maybe you can use our phone. Uh... <laughs> New answer, um, 1965. 
<laughs> Excuse me, where's the payphone? 1965. <laughs> I'd probably lose my job. <laughs> <laughs> it might be worth it, though. <laughs> it's like, do you have a bathroom here? No. No, sorry. No, you have to go outside. <laughs> yeah, behind back. It's kind of stinky, but that's what we do here. I've actually said no. <laughs> feeling funny i've said no and they look at me and i'm like no but really it's over there okay so now where's the payphone 1965 <laughs> in the phone booth in 19 in the phone booth in 1965 why did you need a booth so it was quiet and personal conversation well that makes sense and the change in the superman exactly which i don't wasn't it like clear we had a change in there. But uh, they were only clear on the top half, so I understand now. Oh, were they? Yeah. Is it bad that I don't even remember what they look like? I hardly do. I only remember the ones at Epcot <laughs> from England. I like police call boxes. Yes. Tardises are cool. And he's talking to Teresa, and she said, after all, everything that happened, you'd still want to make it with me? That's just a weird way to say it. Well, they talked a little differently back then. I guess. Like, he introduced her to the word awesome. Right? Is that where that came from? Apparently. Wow. I love Quantum Leap history. I learned so much that you don't learn on the History Channel. Like Buddy Holly. Yeah. Even though... Even though that's not how that happened. Yeah. Wikipedia says that's not how that happened, but I choose to believe that's how it happened because <laughs> it's much better that way. There's there's history, which I'm doing air quotes again, and there's Quantum Leap history, which is what I believe in. It's a little bit more fun this way, right? Yeah. Speaking of actual history, when he says... When he's talking about the stars and he says the, the Betelgeuse star, it's like, that's not a star. He's making stuff up. But it actually is. It's spelled a little differently, but it is actually a star. I was I wonder shocked. if they named it after the movie. They probably named the movie after the star. When they said Betelgeuse and she said, what do you say? Betelgeuse? And then he goes, yeah, Betelgeuse. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> they said it three times. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Michael Keaton's going to pop out and scare everybody. I thought it was weird that Teresa was saying Frankie really loud and other people can hear her because these are the wives of the other mafia bosses, I'm thinking, or at least people who know people. And then she went in the back room and she started, she took her shoes off and she started rubbing her legs. I thought that was kind of hot for TV back then. Yeah, it was, uh, she was getting pretty excited. <laughs> she likes him. When they're in the attic and she says, you can lie to me, all men lie to me. Sam is such a good guy. Like he, in every episode, he builds up the women and he doesn't do anything sleazy. And he's just not a jerk. He's just a good guy. It sucks that he's like single in the future. Well, you never know because everything he does changes the future. True. Maybe, unless everything he's doing was already done. Well, he's not affecting his life yet. I don't know. He got a little involved in the first couple episodes. Well. Called his dad and talked to his ex-girlfriend. Right. But in like the last couple episodes we've been watching, he hasn't, in the, just those two instances, he's done stuff. So hopefully he ends up with his girl. Which I'm trying not to spoil myself because... It really makes you wonder who's in control of his leaping. I wonder if Ziggy is just in control of it all to help Sam, but he's just making it look like he's trying to retrieve him. Well, who wrote Ziggy's program? Sam. Okay, so maybe he put some stuff in there to help himself out. Um, hmm. you, know, you know, unless you think about it cautiously about, you know, I don't want to undo myself. Yeah, Everybody's got some things like, oh, I wish I would have done that different. Oh, I wish I would have done that different. So maybe he wrote that in there. Mm, very true. Don Gino, the godfather, sneaking into his own attic. Why does he have a silencer on the gun? I'm thinking this guy has a huge place and nobody would hear a gun go off. His wife and daughter live there, he said. Oh, so he's going to shoot people in his attic while his wife and daughter are downstairs. Right. He's a mob hitman. 
Well, what? no, he's the godfather. He can do whatever the hell he wants, I guess. Why wouldn't he have a one of his goons do it? Because it means more this way. Oh. Because he's saying, you screwed me over. I'm going to shoot you. And partly, I think he didn't believe it. I like uh, you were saying Sam's a good guy. I think he really is a good guy, and good guys do exist. And he could have had anything he want from most of these women in the episodes, except the nun, I guess. <laughs> Actually, probably. Never mind. Well, he, he, is hand- <laughs> he is handsome, so. She totally had a crush on him. Yeah. Um, they were looking at the star. I don't want to say it. Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse. I'm not going to say it again. But they were looking at the star, and she said, it kind of looks like a diamond. Is is that her way of hinting towards something, maybe? Like, hey, put one on my finger? Yeah. Probably. Okay. Women are like that. We like to just let you know. Yeah, I picked up on that. Sam sends the goons out to plug in a hairdryer. Very strange. Uh, the transformer on the pole explodes like fireworks, literal fireworks. Like, nowadays, pretty much, they just go poof, and they're done. Of course, we got automatic switches and stuff, so power doesn't go out like before, but it was crazy explosive. But didn't they say earlier in the episode he couldn't be in two places at once and it was so far away? How did he hear it explode? Because he's like, did you hear that after it exploded? All the power on the whole East Coast went out. Right. But before that happened, he heard the explosion. I was thinking it was a transformer there that blew too. Ah, that makes sense. It could have been really what Teresa said and that was her zipper. Or he might have just been nervous about making it with... Teresa in the Godfather's attic, which he should have been scared. Yeah, maybe he was just like trying to get out of it. On edge. Did you hear that? We should stop. Or maybe it was like Don Gino getting out of the car or something. Ah, like a door slamming. That's good. Yeah. That definitely could be it. When I watched it, I just assumed it was the Transformer there blowing too, because all of the lights were going out. When I was a kid, I had remembered that that had actually happened. Or I knew it actually happened. I don't. It did actually happen. There was a blackout on that day in history. I don't know if I knew it or somebody I was watching with told me because I remember I made my parents watch Quantum Leap with me when I was a kid. Um, they uh, it causes the famous Northeast blackout with it, which occurred November 9th, nineteen sixty five, which he says in the salon that's the day, and reportedly affected over thirty million people who lost their electricity supply for up to twelve hours. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Why does Teresa say? You're like a Pinocchio. I don't get that reference. A wooden puppet? A boy? Liar. Ah, okay. Okay. Pinocchio lied. Right. Thank you. Now I know. That's um, His nose didn't get any bigger, though, so I don't know. Okay. When the, all the power is going out on the eastern seaboard, they were losing the lights one by one by one. Did you notice they had a map of the country, and the only place they had lights were the area where they were going to go out? <laughs> Maybe that was like the office for that area. I was thinking that too, but then wouldn't you have a map of just that area and not the whole country? Because there was no other lights, so there was no purpose in having the rest of the country on that chart. Maybe they just didn't get that far in the production scale. Maybe back then that's all there was of electric in 65? No, no, I I just mean on a production level. Uh Like they were like, just do the ones that we need because we don't have any time and we have been up since 4 a.m. making this stupid board and... (laughs) I knew that, but I was just making fun of them. Yes. (laughs) Uh, When the lights went out and they were showing the outside shots of towns and cities, they're, you know... There's stock footage, of course, because that's what they used back then. And they did a thing when it darkened over the buildings and stuff where they just put black over it. So when they went to the city where there was still a road with driving cars, it was just really bad. It was just like black lines and it didn't even match where the cars were driving and stuff. (laughs) 
I didn't notice that when I was younger, but it looked pretty bad in high def on a big TV. I didn't notice it this time. I must have uh, looked away or something. Yeah, it's it's pretty cheesy, but you know they could only do what they could do back then. Yeah, and they didn't think you would notice. And maybe one guy said, "You know, we should do it different because in twenty years, this guy named Al." No. There's going to be a podcast someday, and they're totally going to pick apart our show. We should fix this. It didn't take me out of it. I just... You notice everything, though. Even if somebody takes a bright shot and darkens it to make it look like evening time, you notice. Day for night? Yeah. That bothers me. I know. It's like the shadows wouldn't look like that at nighttime. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I see, I don't pay attention to that. But you look at it from a totally different standpoint. We've had this conversation before about how you watch shows differently than most people. Yeah. You look at it you look at it from a production standpoint for sure. You finally got your wish. You got to see what happens after Sam leaps out of somebody. I know. So what do you think? What do you think? I think that at least Teresa covered it up well, like that he had a concussion. But I that was my theory all along that they'd come back and be like what happened? But didn't he talk to the people in the waiting room? And I mean, didn't he know he leaped? I don't understand that. Maybe he it's like a brain restart when he goes back into his body. It could be what I like to call the physics of silly time travel, which are <laughs> illogical things that happen in some fictional time travel. Like he doesn't have those memories until 2001, two, three. So maybe he'll be walking along as an 85-year-old man and go, whoa. I guess. I don't know. I just, I I don't like that part of, like, that's the only thing about the show that I don't like is that explanation. If I didn't know that he went somewhere, I would understand that he'd pick up where he left off, like at the wedding while they were. Right. Well, he thought he was at the wedding. So for him, I guess, no memory of the waiting room. Right. Which goes with my whole there shouldn't be an explanation with that. <laughs> there might be something. I mean, we got five seasons of this, so there might be an explanation coming up. I don't know of one personally, but I'm I just hoping... don't like the explanation that they gave. Oh, I just don't. I don't like that the other person leaps into Sam's body in the future. Like I said, you, you never know what happens. I, and I honestly don't know at this point, but I'm looking forward to seeing them make that storyline go right where it once went wrong. You're along for the ride. <laughs> Well, I'm like, I'm hoping that they elaborate on it so that I don't like that. I don't hate it. But as of right now, I, that's the one thing that I don't like. You're not feeling Sam being back in the waiting room in those uh, white leotard all time. Like, or is it I a unitard? I think it's a unitard, but okay. I, I don't, I just, it doesn't flow with the way I watch the show. Like, I don't, I don't need that fact. They should have just left it up to your imagination. And I don't even, I'm not usually one for that explanation just to leave it up to someone's imagination. I'm usually want to know every aspect of the show. Like I want to know what happens when the guy comes back, you know, but I just don't like that explanation. So they should have left it out. Why do you think Sam leaped into Don Gino instead of leaping on to his next thing? Do you think it's because when Ziggy was trying to pull Sam back, that whoever was controlling his leaping was like, no, he's got to do something. So he put him back in somebody else. Or do you think that was the plan all along? It was totally the question I was going to ask you because I don't know the answer to that. I don't. I, I'm I'm curious because it could totally go either way. I, I was it, it was a coincidence that Ziggy was trying to retrieve him during all this and he still had to fix the bingo. So 
<laughs> which is so funny. I'll get to that. I got something. To yeah, say about me too. That. I totally do too. I'm thinking it's whoever's controlling Sam's leaping said, no, 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 he's going to do what he's here to do. So Yeah, he's not done here yet. Whatever was controlling him might not be able to put him back in Frankie, but he put him back in Don Gino, which is in the same room. So that's pretty close. Right. How pissed do you think Don Gino is in the waiting room? <laughs> oh, really? He's like, he's like, I'm the boss. I control things around here. Why am I in this white unitard? Yeah. Well, um, my thought was... If Sam had leaped right then and just left, they would have been killed. Yes. And that's not a good way to leave it. So either whoever was controlling his time thing, like, wanted them to be saved, because why do all that to just leap and set them up to die? Because if Sam hadn't come in and done what Ziggy wanted him to do, they wouldn't have gotten caught because Frankie wouldn't have made those choices. And Al said that Don Gino was going to be killed in April. So it's what, November? So if they had just held out for a while, it would have been okay and they could have been on the down low. And I don't think they had the down low in the 60s. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> she could make it with him. Right. But I mean, if he, if he had just left, what he had done would have actually made them worse off. So he didn't get anything accomplished. Because he got switched into Don Gino, he could fix the situation. Ziggy's plan called for him to pull him out then. But if that happened, people would have died. So who's ever controlling the situation decided, no, that's not a good idea. This is more important. Right. I think it's strange that the last two episodes, the leaps have been these little tiny side details that you don't think about the entire episode. But the Buddy Holly thing was something that you didn't see coming. And the same with the bingo. Like they were just silly little background stories they weren't even side stories they were like these background stories that you didn't even pay attention to and then that is the reason why he leaps i like Teresa's little look when sam was in don gino and he was talking to himself trying to figure out how to fix the situation and Teresa looks at frankie and goes Ooh, a little crazy you know with the finger around the ear yeah i thought that was funny yeah and then when he asks do you love him she's like yeah and she's like, yeah. 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 And they both try to stick up for each other and say it was my idea. No, it's my idea. Yeah. And Frankie, who has no idea what's going on, it's like, we were looking for a suitcase. Um, just, I don't know where. <laughs> when you got a gun in your face, I guess you just try to think of something. Well, before, I guess they were good at hiding it. Uh, Sam, not so good at hiding it, maybe. Maybe that was a problem. Yeah. Well, having to go back to Don Gino's attic was scary. You're crazy. I'd be like, uh, come up with something different. Yeah, you don't really need to retrieve me, but thanks. I'll wait until next time. I like the part in the church when they're announcing the wedding and everybody claps and everybody's happy that Frankie and Teresa are going to get married and Gino's okay with it and all that stuff. And then they're all being happy for Teresa and Frankie and Sam's just in the background, like all ready to leap and standing there all happy, ready to leap because he accomplished what he thought his mission was. And he's just standing there and he keeps standing there. Mm -hmm. I just got a big kick out of that. You're just waiting, like, hello, I did it. Hello. Which brings us to the real reason they were there. Bingo. Speaking of the uh, bingo scene, the last two episodes have been this weird background, not even a side story, background story that you don't even think about because you're paying attention to who you think are the important people of the episode. And it turns out that this little minuscule detail of Buddy Holly writing Peggy Sue or Grandma winning bingo 
are the leap starters. <laughs> like, I it's just, it's so funny that it's such a minuscule detail that that would be what he had to fix. You would think that it would be like a big thing he had to accomplish, but it was grandma winning bingo. I loved the Buddy Holly thing. This one, I didn't like at all. I didn't understand why or how someone winning bingo was important. Right, like Buddy Holly goes on to be a famous person. So having him write the song, which was a hit, you know, that, that makes sense in the long run why it would be an important thing. But they didn't really explain why Grandma winning bingo was a th- big deal. They had mentioned it a couple times that she hasn't won in three years and can you make sure she wins? But like, why is that? That doesn't, it doesn't affect the world. How would it affect the future? I don't know. I mean, Tess marrying some dude doesn't really affect the future either. Well, they could have a kid and then that kid does something important. Maybe grandma changes her outlook on life and I don't know. The Buddy Holly thing, I think it meant so much more because we, it affected our lives. Right. We know those songs. And if Sam didn't do that, we wouldn't have those songs in our lives. Right. The grandma won bingo. Yeah, I don't know. I guess what they're they're trying to accomplish because it's still in season one is that it's not always the obvious choice. You know what I mean? Like, I'm assuming they're trying to make a point, the writers of the show. Well, that brings up a point that I learned in my research of this episode, that this was the actual first episode filmed after the pilot, but they wanted to air it later. So uh, people wouldn't get confused and think he was leaping two or three times per episode and make the double leap actually mean something. So they pushed it back in the release of the show. Yeah, that makes sense for it not to be in the beginning. Like, I, because I'm confused now. We're confused. We're both confused as to why it happened now. Thinking of it that way, I'm thinking they tried that thing with the bingo. It was a little side thing. But they were like, maybe we missed the mark, you know, the writing team. And they said, let's make it mean something. And then later came the Buddy Holly thing. Yeah, that's true. But it's weird that they aired back to back and they were both weird background stories. Yeah, so I liked the Buddy Holly one, didn't like the Bingo one. If you have a theory on why Bingo changed the world, let me know. (laughs) Yes, please let us know. I want to talk about a very important topic. A lot of people, when they're listening to a podcast, even our podcast, are driving in their car, which is great because there's Bluetooth and there's different ways to connect your phone or MP3 device to your car. But when you have your phone in your car, there's a great temptation to text and drive, which doesn't seem like a big deal. Or Facebook and drive or Instagram and drive or take pictures while you're driving. I've seen that. That's horrible. Yeah. It's very tempting. It's very tempting if you don't realize the consequences. So this is our chance to possibly save a life. And there is a great new film out. The movie is a 34-minute video. It's available on YouTube, and it will be on our site on this episode's page. It is called From One Second to the Next. It's about the consequences of texting and driving. I don't remember anything about the accident. She had her life planned. She was always planning everything. Now she can't plan anything because she can't remember anything. Texting. Was the text that important? I I don't remember what I was texting. Um, I don't remember what the message said. That's how important it was. You know, I can, I can, you know, I can text message. I can drive. It's no big deal. You know. Um, You know, I thought that up until the accident. His legs are gone. 
exes paralyzed from the diaphragm down. Debbie was very, very active. She loved work. She helped me with my children. She was always there for me. And it's like, I don't have that anymore. The worst thing that I can't say to X, which I used to be able to say all the time, go in the yard and play. I can't say that anymore. I want people to, to look at me and look at what I did and what I caused and say, I, I don't want to be that guy. Again, the film is called From One Second to the Next. And there will be links on our site, and you can just Google while you're at home on your phone. or Not while you're driving. If you're, you're driving, driving right now, <laughs> replay this at home. There are links on our website. <laughs> if you are driving right now, just remember it's from one second to the next. Right just now. remember it's not that important. <laughs> it's not that important. Right. And listen to a podcast while you're in a car. Right. Yeah, you don't need to text. Ours is totally long enough that you could yeah. get from one point to another without very, touching your phone. Very long commute. We're still here. <laughs> even, even if you're in traffic, it's, we're, we're good. When you start your car back up, we'll still be here. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so that's from one second to the next. And we got some feedback. Well, we received an email from Harriet. It says, I'm on the first episode and all I wish is that the woman isn't in any of the other episodes. She is awful. Fingers crossed. First episode of the podcast or first episode of Quantum Leap? I'm hoping that she's talking about Quantum Leap, the show, because if the she means the podcast, that means me. <laughs> and well, I'm still on the show. Uh, she could think the woman just has a really deep voice, like me. I, we're we're going to go with the woman with the LED earrings or the wife of Sam's. I don't, I think the LED lady, because she couldn't, she, there's no way she could not like Peg. And there's no way anybody could not like you. So I'm going to go with LED lady. If it is me, I'm sorry. Please keep listening to our show. <laughs> I'll get better, I promise. Thank you for the email. Keep them coming, unless you really don't like Heather, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if you don't like me, please stop emailing. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take the good with the bad. I guess. That was my first uh, possible bashing. I'm going to go with LED lady. Let's hope. And uh, we got some Facebook comments. When we put up our last episode of the podcast, we got a comment on Facebook from Sarah. Just found your podcast and listened to episode one last night. I wish Netflix had all of season one up for streaming. Uh, me too. But uh, it's on Hulu. Hulu has commercials. Yes. But if you need to watch it, it's there. Very um, true. It's on Hulu Plus. But if you don't have Hulu Plus, they have a free trial. And you can watch the season one episodes that aren't on Netflix pretty quickly, I think. I think you can watch them on NBC too, right? Yes. And we actually have embedded those videos on our first few episode pages. So you can go right to quantumleappodcast.com and watch the NBC Hulu Plus episodes. So thank you for that, Sarah. And uh, hopefully you found a way to watch them. If you have any questions or comments, there's a lot of ways to get in touch with us. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can add us on Twitter at quantumleappod. Or you can call our voicemail and leave a voicemail at 707-847-6682. And please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That'll help us out. And we still have our essay contest, What Does Quantum Leap Mean to Me? You will win a Quantum Leap comic book. You know, this uh, episode was called Double Identity. So I'm thinking we should double the prize in this little giveaway we got going on. Oh, yeah? I'm thinking 
we're asking for eight different people to send us an essay on what Quantum Leap means to me. And we have two very good ones so far. So there's uh, spaces left. But I'm thinking there's going to be a bigger prize for the best essay of the eight. What's that prize? A signed and numbered portfolio of Quantum Leap comic book art from C. Winston Taylor. And that is our grand prize for this giveaway. So we just doubled it up for double identity. Yeah, so not only do you get a comic book, but the best essay will get a comic book portfolio that's been signed and... Numbered. Numbered. And it's pretty big. I'd say like 10 by 13, maybe? I have no idea. But yeah, it's big. It's big. But it's uh, really nice. And it's from the early 90s. And it's got that uh, picture of Al in that crazy suspender outfit and the red hat and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's in like a nice protective clear packaging and... It's, it's, it's really fancy. nice. It's really nice. It has a very nice value and it's well kept. It's over 20 years old, but it's it's very nice. I think most things we're going to give away Quantum Leap are going to be about 20 years old. Yeah, and good quality. We yeah. send out pretty good stuff. That's important. So people that already have essays in, Care Bear and Marcus, they are entered into the grand prize. Awesome. Let's get our essays in, people. You can send in an essay, What Quantum Leap Means to Me. It's a great night on the couch on Netflix. You might not win, <laughs> but you'll be entered. Hey, you'll, and you'll get a comic book. <laughs> you get a comic book, yeah. For my burger theory for this episode, I got nothing. Did you notice any correlations or coincidences in this episode from past episodes? I think it would be hard, and the reason is because it's the first episode filmed after the pilot. Yeah, because they wouldn't have done it, no. Right. I was looking for one, but I couldn't find one. So burger theory right now, I don't have one. If you have any burger theories, please send them in. I can't wait till the next episode of Quantum Leap. We're finally getting into some juicy subjects, some social issues and things with messages, morals and meanings. I did not get any kind of moral lesson out of this episode. Did you? Stop being a jerk and stop shooting people. I don't really think that was a message. I think that was common sense. But that's a good message. But I don't think that's what it's about. I think it was like, let's just do the Godfather kind of thing. Right. Because they had just done Let's Do Rocky. Right. And let's do like Home on the Range. And then well, <laughs> they were going with themes. Yeah. So we'll s- boxer, cowboy, what's, mafia. What's next? <laughs> well, th- th- next it'll be like a racial thing. So depending on what decade he's in, do we know what? De- oh, 1955. Wow. So it's going to be a big deal. On the next episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, we'll be talking about the episode The Color of Truth. It takes place on August 8th, 1955, where Sam leaps into Jesse Tyler. I didn't know exactly where I was, but it was obviously too far south to be a black man. Jesse Tyler, you come over here this instant. Maybe all I'm here to do is help a little old lady across the street. You're a black man in the south in 1955. Trust me, that is dangerous. I'm black. What in God's name's wrong with being called a nigger? Maybe it's just a little too close to nigger. I've never used that word, Jesse. Not to your face or behind your back. What if that's what I'm here to do? What, get involved in the civil rights movement? Mrs. Melanie Elizabeth Charlotte Trafford was killed when her car was struck and demolished by a passenger train tomorrow afternoon at 518. No, that's why you're here. To save Miss Melanie from being killed tomorrow afternoon by the Alabama and Pacific. This is what this show is going to be all about, tackling the big issues and talking about them and how things were different in the past and are they any better right now. So I'm looking forward to the next episode. Yeah, I 
I'm wondering how they're going to do this. Um, I'm looking forward to how they portray this episode, this next one, because it's it talks about more of a big message and, and more of a bigger issue than what we what we're used to. There's a lot to come in the series, too. I think they had to wait till later in the first season to start with the big social issues, you know, get people into Al and Sam as a character and how the whole concept of the show works before they could actually start saying something that means something. Right. I agree. The one side effect from this episode of Quantum Leap, I have a song stuck in my head. Oh, no. No, you don't. No, you Valare. No, you don't. Whoa. Stop. No, no, nobody wants to hear that. Oh. I told you it's not the American Cantare. Idol auditions. Oh. oh my goodness. We're going to have to watch the next episode of Quantum Leap and hope that they have another song for you to sing. Oh. Well, um, that wraps it up for the Quantum Leap podcast this time. I'm Albie. And I'm Heather. Whoa. The oh Someone help him. Cantare. Whoa. Our love has given me wings. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to you right now. Valare. Oh, please stop. Oh. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. Go to quantumleappodcast.com to listen to new episodes. The Quantum Leap Podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal TV. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get behind-the-scenes information, exclusive content, and to be notified first when a new episode is available. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the Quantum Leap Podcast, Baron Space Productions, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap Podcast is edited by Albi. The Quantum Leap Universe and all it contains is property of Belisarius Productions and Universal TV. No infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production. So, damn it, so. If you have any questions or comments, there's a lot of way to, uh, if you have any questions or comments, there's a lot of way to. <sighs> there's a lot of ways to get in yes, touch with thank us. you. There were like big poofy balls on her shoulders. Does that sound bad? <laughs> I can say that again. I didn't mean it like that, but this isn't the Miley Cyrus performance. It's okay. Yeah, I thought he looked like Beetlejuice, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody mentioned that. I, I, I thought that was going to be the main topic. No, no. There was an internet meme where they replaced his face with Michael Keaton's. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to guess. He was 10 and 65. So he's 20 years older than me. I know that doesn't work because we're in a different timeline. <laughs> forever, ever. Forever, ever. Forever, ever. Forever, never. <laughs> forever, never, ever. Forever, ever. Never. That doesn't happen nowadays. I don't know if it did back then, but now they pretty much go poop. Or <laughs> <laughs> they go caca. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm before the hair still on. Okay, good. Hair still on. You're a hair still on. I like that the fact that while he was wearing the I like the fact that while <laughs> it goes away when you look at me. I like the fact that <laughs> So Al mentions that he's in an imaging ugh. Al mentions that he's in an imaging chamber two deck a couple of deck well. <sighs> If you hold it in, it's just going to take longer. I'm not holding it. I'm so self-conscious. You, you, you want to do this on Skype? How would that help? You wouldn't see me. <laughs> Only audio. Well, where would I be in the other room? Just kidding. Okay. <clears throat> what the hell were we saying? I have no idea. Come on, man. This shirt. Oh, okay. I got it. Ready? For real, dude. I'm going to pretend to get mad at you just so you stop laughing.
<laughs> For real, dude. Come on. It's not perfect. <laughs> Volare. Whoa. <laughs> Our love has given me wings. Don't look at me. Okay. Okay, I almost had it. <laughs> Come on, dude. I was better and you laughed at me. <laughs> I'm going to turn and face the wall. I thought it was highly appropriate. I don't know if they wrote this into the script. I think it was highly appropriate. <laughs> Come on, dude. It's not okay. <laughs> See, you laugh, it makes me laugh. Right, right. Well, that's the thing. We're not supposed to laugh, so it's funny, so then we laugh. My belly hurts from laughing. Okay. Let me just start talking, and then we'll get into it, okay? This way I won't be tempted to laugh because I'm talking. Does that sound good? You can start talking. Try this. It might work. I don't know. It's okay. We can do this. Why am I laughing? No idea. Is there a lack of oxygen in the room? Is it carbon? No, nitrous. Never mind. There's some laughing gas in here. Yeah. Coming out of my microphone. Plug me back in.